James, the fourth chapter, please. Would you go to James 4? For the past uh, several weeks, we've been on this subject of submission and authority. No, submission is not a bad word. It's not a dirty word. It's a Bible word. It's not an archaic word. You know, uh, people try to say, well, you know, times have changed and uh, the Bible's no longer relevant. No, people are just messed up. Do you know why God doesn't change? He doesn't need to change. <laughs> when you got it right, you got it right. Right? Why do people change? Well, <laughs> they need to. We need to conform to Him. He's not coming our way. He's not going to conform to us. We have to conform to Him. Because He's right about everything. Anything you disagree with Him about? Anything. You wrong. Every time. He's right. So people get tired of him being right all the time. They do. Well, he's right all the time. Yep. <laughs> Every time. He's always right. Yeah. Get used to it. It's always going to be that way. <laughs> but he really is. Some people think they're right all the time and they're not. He really is. And if he is, then we ought to submit ourselves to him. And what he says is true and right. In James the fourth chapter. Have you found it? James chapter four has been our main text. It says in verse six. But he gives more grace. Wherefore he says God resists the proud. But gives grace, giveth, that's continuous, he gives and keeps on giving, grace unto the humble. Is pride a good thing? Is anything good about it? Is there a good form of pride? No. We use the word pride loosely and really so many times, you know, we think it's okay, but it's not. Work toward eliminating this word from your vocabulary as far as you saying, I'm proud of this or I'm proud of that. Someone says, what's wrong with it? Well, how about this right here? Wouldn't that be enough? Well, I just think it's okay to be proud of your kids and be proud that you're an American and I just think it's okay. Right here, right here. What about this? No, learn the difference between pride and honor. Honor is a godly thing. Pride is a devilish thing. People try to say, well, it ain't that much difference. Oh, God and the devil difference. (laughs) Honor, you know, be thankful that you're an American. Honor your country and your troops and your leaders. Honor the past and the sacrifice. Be thankful 
show respect. But proud? No. Your kids, be thankful that your kids are turning out well. Right? Honor them. Teach them how to honor you and God. And But proud? See, pride comes back to you taking the credit instead of God. See, we, as a nation, there are huge problems here. Because every time something goes good, somebody wants to take credit for it. Some leaders, some politicians, some party, if it's bad, they want to blame the other group for it. That's not okay. It's real simple. If it's good, it's God. He should get the credit. He should get the glory. If it's bad, it's us. We should repent. Right? Who gets the grace? Grace. Who gets the grace? The humble. Does it make any difference in your life how much grace you have? Oh. Anything you want to talk about doing in the things of God, anything you're able to do successfully, it was by His grace. If you're going to do more and bigger and better, it's going to be the result of more grace. That's how you started off saying it. He gives more grace. But who gets it? Just the humble. What do the proud get? They get resisted. Should you be very interested in knowing what humility is? And what pride is? Do you suppose you've ever uh, had any in your life? Pride. (laughs) I can answer that for you without even thinking. Everybody has to deal with pride. Everybody. And it's not something you just beat one day and put up a flag and went, I won. I completely eliminated all the pride from my life. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. Every day is a new day and you got flesh and pride and selfishness is the nature of the flesh and it'll come up and every day you got to decide, am I going to yield to this or am I going to put my flesh under and my selfishness under and walk in humility? Some people have thought meek means weak, but nothing could be further from the truth. Proud people are weak and insecure. It takes real strength to be truly humble. Can you say amen? Amen. And Jesus is the greatest example of that. He said, come, learn of me, for I'm what? Meek and lowly of heart. Was he weak? Wasn't any weakness in him. But was he meek? Yes. And you'll find that the meekest are the most used of God. Could you see it from this verse? The most humble is going to have the most grace. Is going to be the most used. Get the most done. The proudest. Not only are they not going to get grace. They're going to be resisted of God. Now keep reading. Verse 7. This all flows together. Verse 7 says. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Now, one reason I like using this verse is because the topic is submission and authority. And there it is in that one verse. Submission to God, exercising authority over the enemy. Isn't it? Both of it's right there. Which came first? I see a lot of times people want to teach on authority, our authority in the name of Jesus and in Christ and in the kingdom. But they don't get on this part. And it's a problem. Because 
if you're yielding to the enemy, he doesn't have to submit to you. Are you with me? If you're submitting to him and yielding to him, which if you're rebellious against God, then you are submitting to the devil. And if you're submitting to him, he's going to laugh at you when you try to exercise authority over him. He's going to say, huh? You're yielding to me. I don't yield to you. And in this earth, it's all about control. Spiritual forces, which is in control. And of course, the devil is a manipulator and a thief, and he wants to run everything. He wanted to usurp God's authority. But he ain't big enough. Wasn't big enough, and still is not big enough. And won't ever be big enough. He can't rule over you, unless you or I yield to him. Of course, through yielding to fear, you yield to the enemy. Yielding to unbelief, you yield to the enemy. Yielding to sin, yielding to your flesh, you yield to the enemy. And when you're doing that, you're not in a position to resist him and him flee from you, exercise authority over him. You must first submit yourself to God and then resist the devil and he will flee from you. The word submit literally means rank or arrange under. It's a military term. Place. Higher place. Lower place. Rank. Arrangement. And can you see it? When you're submitting to God. You're giving God his place over you. You take your place under him. Then you command and insist that the devil take his place under your feet. Oh can you see that? But it doesn't you start with you you know, resisting the devil. Where does it start? You submitting yourself to God. Said out loud, God God is God over me. me. Jesus is my Lord. Lord. He's over me. me. I'm under Him. him. And the devil devil has to get under my feet. feet. Amen. Amen. It all goes together. Now, we've been talking the last uh, session or so. About what submission is not. And through that you find out a lot about what it is. What submission is not. Does anybody remember from last week. Some things we talked about. Huh. (laughs) Number one. Submission. Isn't easy. If you think it is. Then you don't know what it is. I don't know at the times I've had people that heard I was going to teach on this subject. And they said, oh, Brother Keith, I'm so glad you're going to teach on it. I'm excited. You know, submission has always been easy for me. I know right away. They don't know. They don't have a clue what it is. Because submission isn't easy. What else is submission not? Submission isn't agreement. Isn't agreement. You're only in a situation where you can legitimately submit when you don't agree. Did you hear this now? Have you ever heard people say this? Well, now, normally I submit to them, but I just don't agree on this. What? No, what they don't realize is they just got through saying, usually I agree. But now I'm having the first opportunity to submit that I've had in a long time and I will not. When you got good people and good leaders, so many times you can go along week after week, month after month, just operating in agreement. 
Did you hear me now? They'll say, you don't do this. And you go, yeah, man, that sounds good to me. Do it. Is that submission? No, no that's agreement. Let's do this. Oh, yeah, that sounds right to me. Whew, let's go. No, submission comes in when whoever's over you, I don't care if it's your, the head of the family or the head of the business or the head of the local church or the head, Jesus. Do this. And you go, uh-uh. No, no, no. Now, see, I was going to do this. And your flesh don't want to do it. And you're thinking, no, 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 that's not what I thought. I thought we would do it like this. And no, do this. You don't agree. What's it time for now? Now it's time to submit. Do you submit to just anything and everything? You don't submit to something that's blatantly contradictory to the Bible. Right? And we'll touch on these things a little bit later, I think. But just understanding the difference. You know, understanding that submission is an agreement will help you to understand, even if you weren't here, how that submission isn't easy. (laughs) Right? Because your flesh is going, "Uh uh-uh. No. And you have to say, shut up. You're going to do what you're told, and you're going to smile while you do it. Right? And if you do not learn how to do that, you will never grow up spiritually. That's not just my idea. That's First Peter 5. The Bible for the whole epistle of First Peter talks about suffering. But it's not suffering being sick or suffering being broke. It's suffering not getting your way. It's suffering having to put your flesh under. And we live in a society that is just, you almost want to say rotten. Like spoiled kids. Because people... You know, and it's sad that parents don't realize this. They think that they're being good to their kids by never requiring them to submit to anything. They don't want to do it. Oh, that's okay, baby. You don't want to cut the grass? Okay, daddy, when he gets off work, he'll come cut the grass. You just lay up there and drink iced tea and watch TV. That's a bad dad. That's a poor parent. Did you hear me? You know, I remember as boys, my dad worked the night shift. But we had a farm. And, man, you know, they didn't plant three rows or something. They plant acres or some stuff, you know. And we didn't have all this machinery to get it in. And so, you know, boy, it's one of these beautiful summer days, and my buddies are wanting to go swimming, and the corn needs to be got in. And when I say get the corn in, do you know what I'm talking about? I am not talking about crank up the combine. There was no combine. It was put on a long sleeve. (laughs) And you grab the ear and you pull it off. And you throw it in the little trailer. And as boys, you know, you work for about an hour and you look up, try to see the end of the row and you go, oh man, (laughs) it's going to take me forever to do this. And your friends say, let's go swimming. You go, I can't. What do you mean you can't? Man, the water's perfect. Yeah, I know. Did that hurt me? Is that good for me? It was wonderful for me. I didn't think so at the time. But you got to learn. Some point in your life you got to learn how to put your flesh under. That you don't always get to do what you feel like. Or what your flesh wants. You got to learn how to put your flesh under. And the reason we got so many problems today. Is we got people that grow up and never put their flesh under. 
Did you hear me? Their flesh wants it. Then do it. Get it. And they just ruin their lives. No discipline. No commitment. And they're that way with God. They're not just that way with people. They're that way with God. No. You only have an opportunity to truly submit when you don't agree. But when you don't agree, then it's time to what? Submit. No matter how you feel, put your flesh under. You didn't want to do it. It's not your will. It's not. What did the, Jesus is the perfect example. What did he pray in the garden? Not my will, but your will be done. Was that easy? He sweat blood praying that through. Right? But did he do it? Did it matter? You and I would be lost if he didn't do it. Right? Was it easy? No, it wasn't easy. And it's obvious that his will wasn't in agreement. And I know that sounds strange to people, but what did he say? Not my will, but must have been two different things. Right? But he submitted his will to the Father's will. If Jesus had to do it, certainly we'll have to do it. There will be times when our will is not in agreement with his will. And we don't agree. We didn't think that's what we wanted to do. But it's time then to submit. If you do, you'll be blessed. If you don't, you'll be cursed. Now, a third thing that I want to talk about today. We've touched on it. But let's get into it some more. Submission, we said, isn't easy. And submission isn't agreement. And thirdly, submission isn't being forced. It isn't being forced. And this, you know, uh, people sometimes, they get concerned if you just mention certain words. If you mention anything about kingdom of God, some people think, oh, that's a cult. That's an error. If you mention anything about deliverance, some people think, "Uh oh, boy, that's a cult. You say something about submission. Some people think because there have been problems in the past and in the present with some of these issues. But all these are Bible words. And when something is in the word, you don't just throw the whole thing out because somebody got off. And this thing we're getting into now will help keep people out of error. If you keep this in front of you all the time, you won't get into error with teaching and endeavoring to practice the word on submission. We said submission isn't being forced. Now let me read some scriptures to you. We started off with our text here, and uh, in James, what did it say about submission? Submit who? Submit yourself. Who's the understood subject there? You are. Who's going to submit you? You are going to submit you to God. Who's going to make you submit to God? Is God going to submit you? See, people get off on this and think, Lord, make me do it. He's not. And, you know, people try to do that with each other. You know, make me quit spending all my money and messing up. Nobody can do that for you. Make me quit eating so much. (laughs) So you're trying to get somebody else to put your flesh under. And so many times, even in praying, people, you know, they're saying something, but they mean something that, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Lord, help me with this. Lord, help me with this. And what they really mean is, Lord, do it for me. 
Lord, do it for me. Lord, make me do it. He is not going to control you and make you do it. No, you can pray and fast till you faint and fall out. He's not going to do it. If you'll give him something to work with, he will help you. Oh, and his help is marvelous. But you got to give him something. It's kind of like sowing and reaping. I mean, um, a million, you know, times zero is what? Because God could multiply a zero times a hundredfold. And what have you got? See, there's a lot of folk reaping a hundredfold. Don't even realize it. They're giving nothing. And they got a hundredfold of nothing. You got to give him something to multiply. Right? It's like the farmer said, you know, God, I'm believing you to multiply and bless my crop. Well, did you plant a crop? You got to plant a crop in order to have it, you know, give him something to bless. And that's the way it is in every area of life. God's not going to make you or I submit to him, to his word, to his spirit, to his people that he's placed over us. Who's going to make us do it? If we don't submit ourselves, then it won't happen. And when you understand that as leaders, are we to try to make people submit to us? No, we're not. And see, do you see what I'm saying? That keeps you from getting off. You know, the thing that people don't like to talk about is wives submit. I mean, you even say the phrase, people go, what's he going to say? <laughs> is wives submit yourselves to your own husbands? Is that man's idea? No. Whose idea is that? God's idea. So if you're going to be aggravated at anybody, you'd be aggravated at him, I guess. Would that be smart? That'd be dumb. The truth does what for you? It makes you free. Right? But you have to believe it. Well, now, in that, in fact, just go there right now. Go to Ephesians. Ephesians 5, please. Let's talk about this a bit. Ephesians 5, did you find it? Ephesians 5, he starts off in 21 talking about the subject of submission. And then he goes on to talk specifically about husbands and wives. And in verse 22, the word starts out what? Wives. What's the next phrase? Submit yourself to your own husband as unto the Lord. Verse 25, what does it say? Husbands. Now, the Lord could have done this any number of different ways, but did you hear? He specifically addresses that group. Now, when you do that, why would you make the effort to do that? Hmm? Let me say, if I'm talking, you know, the Spirit of God is talking to everybody, but if I, as Keith, I just stop and say, Mo. Now, when I did that, what am I doing now? What did I just let you know? I'm talking to Mo, not to you. Did you get this? When you stop and you make a specific address when everybody's listening, why would you do that? Because this is just for them. So he starts off saying what? Wives. And I like to say it like this. The Lord is saying, wives, now husbands, I'm not talking to you. 
Wives, you submit yourselves to your own husbands as unto the Lord. Later he said, husbands, wives, I'm not talking to you. Husbands, you love your wives like Christ loves the church. And yet, I don't know at the times. I have sat behind a desk trying to help people with their marriage problems. And the man says perhaps, you know, well, she won't submit to me. And she says, well, if you'd love me like you're supposed to, I think I maybe could submit to you. He said, well, if you'd submit to me like you're supposed to, I think I could love you. (laughs) So what are they doing? You would have thought the Lord said the reverse. You'd have thought he said, husbands, see to it that your wives submit to you. Wives, see to it. That your husband loves you like he's supposed to. And if he don't, you ride him night and day. (laughs) Husbands, if your wife don't submit, you tell her five times a day. Woman, submit. (laughs) Wives, if your husband don't love you like you're supposed to, you make sure you tell him and point it out to him every time so he don't forget. Now, honey, the Bible says you're supposed to love me. You ain't loving me. You're supposed to love me. You've got to love. No, I mean, put yourself into it. You're supposed to love me. <laughs> love me. Now, nah, I ain't loving me. You'd have thought he addressed them oppositely of the way it is in the scripture. Now, let me go over this. Wives. Did the Lord say anything to you? About your husband loving you. About you doing anything to get him to love you. And make you love you. And work on. No that is not your part. He wasn't talking to you. So you don't need to say anything to him about it. Did you hear me now? Husbands. Did the Lord say anything to you. About making your wife submit. Not a word. Who was he talking to. When he brought up the subject. He was talking to them. That's between him and them. What if they don't? Well, then they don't. What if they won't? Well, then they won't. People don't submit to the Lord. Don't be shocked if they don't submit to you. (laughs) And husbands, listen to me now. Listen, listen, every husband, every husband, listen to me. Never, never look at your wife and say, submit to me. You're supposed to submit to me. Never. Never. Are you with me on this point now? What do we say? Submission isn't easy. It is an agreement. And what else? It is not somebody making you do something. And the moment somebody tries to make you do something, then you're not submitting yourself. Go with me to Matthew 20, please. This goes to the very heart of who God is and how he operates. If God wanted to make us do something, do you think he could? Huh? You know, there's been husbands pinning their wife against the wall. And even... 
I almost want to say blasphemously. Bless God, you're going to do what I say. I'm the head of this house. Well, you're devilish. You're going to make somebody do something. That's how the devil is. He wants to control. He doesn't care if it's not your will. He just wants to make you do it. He wants to control you. Don't you know that if God was going to make anybody do anything, he'd make people get saved? Could he do it? Could he back sinners up against the wall? (laughs) Could he put his elbow to their throat and pin them up against the wall and say, you will be saved. You will receive. How many understand? God has the power. He could take a fingertip. Pin you up against the wall and speak to you in a voice that would split rock and said, you will receive Jesus. And you'd go, (laughs) why you shook and trembled. Could he do it? If he did, he wouldn't be him. It wouldn't be him. He doesn't abuse his great power and his great place. He made us. He owns us by right of creation. He owns us by right of continuous sustenance. Take a breath. Why did your heart beat again? Why is the sun shining? Why did the world, why is it turning? If he withdrew his power, the Bible said all things are upheld by the word of his power. All he had to do is pull his power away from the sun and this thing would freeze over and we'd all die like that and he has to continuously sustain us. And we sold ourselves through sin. And Jesus came and gave everything he had and bought us and paid for us. So he owns us three times over and more. Created us, sustains us, bought and paid for us. And he still says, here's the keys. Serve me if you will. And if you won't, you won't. Well, if he's that way, how much more should everybody else in authority be that way? You lead. You set an example. You instruct. You say, come on. Let's do it. What if they don't? Well, then they don't. The husband. Be a good man. Love your wife. Love your family. Be strong. Be a man of God. Be an example. Be a person somebody can respect. What if my wife won't submit to me? Well, she won't. What if she don't year after year? Well, then she don't. But you don't try to make her. That's between her and God. She's not doing something he told her to do. And if you get into it, you muddy the waters. Are you with me now? As a leader, as a pastor, what if the people, you know, and this is one of the most frustrating things in ministry. There are times when you see so clearly as a leader what people should do or should not do from the word. And you try to tell them. But they won't listen. Well, if they won't, what do you do then? As long as there's breath, there's hope. You're there for them if they want to come back. But people don't have to listen. They don't have to do it. And you never cross the line and get into this, I'm going to make you do it. 
then you've left the way the Lord works. Say it again. What submission is not? It's not easy. What else? It's not agreement. What else? It's not being forced. And that's where people have gotten into error with submission teachings is because people get into this. I'm going to make you are going to submit to me. Well, then that really wouldn't be submission. That wouldn't be them submitting themselves to you. You making them do something. Look in this. In Matthew 20, Jesus goes into detail about how this works. Matthew 20 and 25. Matthew 20 and 25. Jesus called them, his disciples, to him and he said, You know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. Did you hear this phrase now? They exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered to, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Can you see that the Lord is saying, in my kingdom... It does not work the same as in the world. And here's one of the big things. Let me read this to you from some other translations. Amplified, Matthew 20, 25. He said, you know the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their great men hold them in subjection, tyrannizing over them. Can you hear what's going on here? They make them do it. You'll do it or I'll make you do it. That's the way the world operates. And how many know there's all kind of forms of manipulation and control? There's financial, there's political, there's social, there's all kind of stuff. But I will make you do this. We will impose my will on you. The uh, New Living says, you know that in this world, kings are tyrants. And officials lord it over the people beneath them. What did he say the next verse though? It shall not be like that with you. Right? Now, this is true. Heads of of homes, heads of the local church, the head Jesus himself. But get this with all your dealings with people. You can't make anybody do a thing. You've got to know it in yourself. When you come to the place where they don't want to hear what you've got to say. They're resisting you. What do you do now? Get stronger and get pushier? I'm right. You will do this. No, no, no. The Holy Ghost doesn't do that. You've got to back off. Right? Now, the Lord said this to me and I'm... We've seen it before, but you really see how it comes into play with this in mind, that submission isn't being forced. We were in James. Without turning there again, he said, submit yourself to God. Resist the devil, he'll flee from you. Then the very next verse, verse 8, says, draw near to God. Did you hear that? This all flows together. Draw near to God. Then what happens? Which one's first? You, see, the same one that's going to submit you to God 
you submit yourself to God, then you draw near to Him and He draws near to you. What's the result of that? You draw near to Him, He responds. That means you're close. In His presence, in His will. And here comes the question. Who should come to whom? Did you get this now? Who draws near to who? Who comes first? You see, you see people that are having an argument. They get into a standoff. What are they waiting on? <laughs> Who's going to call first? Who's going to move first? What is that? That's pride. And rebellion. Well, when you understand God's structure of authority, a lot of things, you don't have to wonder about who should go first. If they're over you in some capacity, you should come to them. Who are you listening? Who should come to whom? We should go to the Lord. We don't say, well, now, Lord, you know where I'm at. You won't talk to me? Come talk to me. What is that? Man, that's ugly. Pride. Rebellion. Well, see, people do that with people that God has placed over them. Well, if they got something to say to me, won't they come say it? Oh, did you hear that? Now, we studied about some people that had some trouble with the ground. Dathan, Korah, Abari, remember them? Do you remember how that thing got so out of hand to where they got judged and the ground opened up and swallowed all of them up? Do you remember what happened? Moses, in his mercy, he said, you fellas need to come see me. Remember that? Think about how blind they have gotten. Not long ago. They were bent over in the field with a whip on their back. Is that right? Not long ago, a slave property of another man like a cow or a horse. Now here they are with money and fine clothes in the ministry. Are you listening? Who did God choose from the backside of the desert and bring and lead them out of there with signs and wonders? And yet they've forgotten all about all that. Now they said, God speaks to us too. God uses us too. He said, y'all need to come see me. And what did they say? We will not come. And we see right after that destruction. Don't we? We will not come. Let's just, you know, this goes so many different ways. And we can't cover all of them, but you can get the spirit of it. Let me ask you this question. What's appropriate? Who should wait on whom? The Bible said in Hebrews that the less is blessed of the greater. Who should wait on whom? Let's say the president's coming to town. He's going to visit Faith Life Church. And all of us mess around for two hours. And he's sitting out there waiting in his car. We say, well... He's just a man. We'll get there when we get there. I'm having trouble getting ready this morning. 
If anybody's going to wait on anybody, we ought to wait on him. Shouldn't be the other way around. Right? Employer, employee. Who should wait on whom? Which is more appropriate? It's much more appropriate for the employee to wait on his or her employer than for the employer to have to wait on them. Right? Husbands and wives. Which is more appropriate? And see, you, you get to something that's personal. People go, oh, <laughs> he doesn't have to do all the stuff I have to do. <laughs> well, I'm so thankful I don't have to wait on my wife all the time. What a blessing it is. And so many times, and you know, ladies, guys may not tell you all this, but so many times, guys, they just, they get so fed up with waiting. They won't include you in stuff. They'll just go do it. And they'll do things in such a way because they just, you know, everybody gets tired of waiting an hour or two every time you get ready to do anything. It's not okay. It's just people being flashy at what people are saying. You know, it goes all the way out. Let's say, you know, I've had people that I took with me on teams and went out and ministered out on the road. And I've had people, you know, it's time to go. Service is ready to start here in a few minutes. And we're down in the car and we had to wait on them another 30 minutes while they got ready in the room and came down, made us all wait. Well, they're part of my team helping me. Is that appropriate? Which would be more appropriate? Be more appropriate for them to wait on me, but not me to wait on them when they're part of my team helping me. Can you see that? And uh, didn't even apologize when they came down. They're like, you know, well, I had stuff to do. And What are people saying when they do this? They're saying, my time is more important than your time. Which they're saying, I am more important than you are. So it's okay for you to wait on me. And it's rebellion. And do you see the thing here? Who's coming to who? Who's waiting on who? Oh, can you see it? Don't get too quiet now. Go to uh, Esther. The book of Esther. If you don't know where that's at, find the Psalms. Start backing up. You'll find Job and then there you are. Esther. We have a perfect example of this in the book of Esther. Anybody remember it? <laughs> Some folk don't know whether they like this or not. Well, you can eliminate so many problems. There are people, many people who are dead today. Because they were two hours late. Are you listening? Two, you know. Two hours late. There's been more than one time that the Lord prompted me, you know, like we're flying or we're taking a trip or something. He'll deal with me. Get up, go, do it now. And didn't know why. But later on, as the day unfolded, you realize, boy, if I'd have been there, I'd have been at the wrong place at the wrong time. Our protection has so much to do with us being led. And if people are being fleshy and just dragging around, did you hear what I'm saying? 
they can affect the whole timeline of something. And the devil is counting on things like that to mess up things. And the root of it comes all the way back to selfishness and rebellion and stubbornness and pride. Can you see it? So we're not just talking about rules. We're talking about being led. We're talking about being protected. And don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. But how many have ever had fights about stuff like this? Maybe on a Saturday. Supposed to have some fun. Somebody drug around, drug around, drug around, drug around. Now you're three hours late and the other person gets aggravated and y'all have this big discussion and then you got this tension in the air and just messed up your day. Just messed up your day. You have to repent and try to get over it. And, which the whole thing could have been avoided just by being on time. Being led. The Spirit of God, if you listen, He'll prompt you. Get up. Get dressed. Get ready. And you go, why? I don't know of anything going on. Well, you're going to have trouble. <laughs> you ain't going to be ready. Do you know who gets used? It's the people who are ready. Available. Let me give you the definition of available. First of all, it's from the word avail. And the word avail just simply means to be of use. How many wants to be used of God? To be of use. Well, available then includes the idea of present and ready for immediate use. Say that out loud. Present and ready for immediate use. Say it again. Present and ready for immediate use. Say it again. Present and ready for immediate use. When the Lord calls on you. Do this. Go here for me. Take care of this. And you go, well... I'm not ready. I had planned this and I've got this and you know I don't like to get up before such and such time and I got to have my breakfast and you know how long it takes me to get ready. It's so sad that there are so many people not being used of God because they are so stubborn they won't change their ways. They got to do it Dot, dot, dot. They got to lay their stuff out. And step one. Step two. And then this is going to take 15 minutes. And this is going to take 30 minutes. Then I have to do this. And I may have to change my mind several times. And then I may have to do this. And, and people got their routine. Men too. Got their routine. And they got to do it that way. These people are the ones that don't get used. Because they insist everybody conform to me. You come to me. You wait on me. And they don't realize they're doing that with God. And when you're doing that with people that he's put over you, you're doing that with him. You know, you don't hear all the discussion, even like in the church here. 
We got a lot of wonderful people. We have a lot of people working in volunteer positions doing an outstanding job. I'm telling you. But we should have a whole lot more. And we will have. I don't believe God intended that a church of size have a handful of people doing everything while 95% just come and sit and look and listen once in a while. That's not serving the kingdom. Everybody's supposed to be busy doing a job, working. But we've had several people, you call on them and take them forever to do something or, you, you know, they can't do it. And there's always this and there's always that. Well, you can't use them. And maybe they get aggravated later on when they don't get called. Who gets used? To be available means what? Present. Ready. For immediate use. Ready. 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 Thank you Lord. This doesn't have to be a bad report. The good side of this is. If you can make some changes. If you're willing to change. And adapt, you can come into a whole nother level of usefulness for God. You know, I don't care who you are or how long you've walked with the Lord. You need to be making adjustments and tweaking yourself and changing yourself. I used to work night shifts and uh, I used to study all night. And so, you know, then I'd tend to want to sleep a little later in the day. And when I used to say a lot of times, you know, I'm a night person. And the Lord said, what if I want to use you early in the morning? I said, well, I'm, I'm available. He said, well, why say you're a night person then? I said, right. I'm an anytime person. Anytime the Lord wants me to do something, I'm present, right, and ready for immediate use. I realize sometimes something takes a few minutes to do. I know that. But you don't drag around. You say, hey, uh. I can be there in a few minutes. You know, I can do this. And if you learn to listen to the Holy Ghost, he'll have you already ready. Yes. Oh, do you hear this now? He'll wake you up in the middle of the night and say, pray. You don't know what you're praying about, but you get to praying and he's working it out for you. Then he said, go ahead and get up and get ready. Right? You'll be sitting there ready. Right? Ready and prepared for immediate use. Those are the people who get used of God. Not the folk that's got five excuses and maybe next time and I have to do it this way and I have to eat at this time every time and I always have to do this and I'm sorry but it takes me this long to do this well. You got your own life. You're going to do it your way and miss out. Somebody say not me. me. Look at this before you've already turned to it. Let's look at it. You know the story here. King Ahasuerus. Who in some ways is a type of the king of kings. In other ways not. But there's many reasons why these stories are here. You know the story. He's having this huge celebration. And verse 11. He called for Vashti the queen to come. You know I've heard people say. Well he was drunk and he wanted her to come in there naked. That's not in here. No, we're in here. He wanted her to dress up in her royal apparel, put her crown on, and come in. How many know the Bible says the woman is the glory of the man? 
I mean, he's putting on this big display of his kingdom. And he'd showed them all his stuff. He showed them all his chariots and his horses. And he showed them his spears and his bows. And he showed them maps of his land. Everything. Here's the grand finale. This is his wife. And he calls for her. Well, she's having her own party. With the women. And they're having a big to-do. Because he's the king. And he says, you know, come. Put on your big crown. Put on your big jewels. And come. And what'd she say? But the queen Vashti. What? Verse 12. Refused to come. At the king's commandment. Why? Why? Well, she's over there with the ladies. And she's the big wig over there. Right? She's the queen. And she wants to show them just how much clout she's got. He said, come, but they said, no, the king said, come. Yeah, I know. No, no, the king said, come. He said, you know, put on your big jewels, come. They're waiting on you. She said, no. Huh? No. The queen doesn't have to come. Unless the queen decides. And just tell him that I'm busy. Can't you see? I have guests. Uh, uh, you're not coming? <laughs> now you don't want, you don't want to tell him that. I don't want to go back and tell him that. Just go get the jewels. Come on, let's go, let's go. The king's waiting, king's waiting. She said, no. Go. Mm. So he showed up, of course, they're, what are they all waiting on? Queen. The big jewels and the big crown. She's pretty. He said, where is she? Uh, she says, she's not coming. What? <laughs> he was wroth. And his anger burned. Well, now, think about it. She made him look so bad. He's supposed to be king of all these lands. And his wife don't listen to him. His own house don't pay him any attention. Well, you know the story. The whole rest of the guys got together and they said, hey, this won't do. Because <laughs> all the women all through all the kingdom will hear about this. <laughs> and then they won't show their husbands any respect. And you know the story. They pulled her from being queen. That was the end of her. And that's how Esther came in. You remember that? And without going through and reading the whole book, do you understand? There was a rule then. That nobody came to see the king unless they were allowed. But she came to see him. Came to see him and came to draw near. And through her, you know, God delivered the whole nation. Who should come to whom? I can't talk about you. I don't know all about your life, but I know about us. I know Phyllis and I, God called us. Not long after we'd been married to come to Kenneth Hagin's ministry. And we showed up there not knowing what we were going to do except that we were supposed to be there. And uh, the Lord dealt with me 
you go to healing school. And as I sat there for the first few weeks, Brother Hagin was there teaching. And I mean the Lord, I don't mean I heard a voice, but inside me he said, you help this man. Help Brother Hagin. Three words. Didn't know that that was my direction in life for the next 20 plus years. I didn't know that at that point. I thought I'd go for a year and then we'd go home. Help Brother Hagin. Well, if I'm supposed to help him, the helper is not the one in charge. Right? But in order for him to be able to use me, what do I need to be? Available. Is that right? He's not going to be able to use me or get any benefit from me. How's he going to get help from me unless I am available? What does available mean? Present. First of all, if you're not even there. Present and what? Ready for immediate use. So I didn't know everything I'm telling you now, but I just knew you got to be there to help. So I was. I showed up. I was on the front row every day, every day, every day. And they said, we need people to uh, greet folk. And I said, well, they need help. And so I greeted people. We need people to register folks. They need help. Right? See, some things you don't have to pray about and labor about and fast about. I mean, you're not doing anything. They need help. He told you to help them. Some people are just spiritual dunces. They make everything too hard. Then they say, we need people to talk with people after the service if they need to get saved or if they, you know, need to get filled with the Spirit. And I knew nothing about it. But I said, I'm available. And I began to do that. Available. Available. Thing after thing, would you do this? Yeah, okay. And didn't realize it, but God was leading me right according to his perfect plan for my life. He was getting, because I was willing and available, he was, you know, if something's not moving, how can you guide it? How can you steer a parked car? (laughs) Right? God guide me, guide me. Well, get moving. Get moving so he can, there's something he can steer. And uh, they said, we're going to open up a healing center. I thought, boy, that'd be great. I looked around, there's a lot of people there. I thought, I bet everybody feels the same way I do. But when they said, we need people for this, I was there, ready, bright-eyed, and (laughs) hair-combed. And uh, thing after thing like that happened. To them teaching in the healing school, and, and then we're over the healing school, and then we're teaching in the training center, and we're teaching courses in the Bible school, and And then years passed, 10 years, 15 years. Then I felt like we needed to do more with our ministry than we were doing. I talked to him about it. He said, yeah, you're not getting any uh, younger. He said, you're going to do something. You better get with it. And so we were uh, doing our own ministry and we were, I forget where we were. And the Lord told me, he said, I never released you from helping him. I thought, huh? So we found them and we came to them. Did you hear this now? We found this. Do you hear how warped people's thinking? Well, if the pastor thinks I ought to do something, why don't he come to me? Well, that alone would be reason right there. You're not ready to hear something. That kind of attitude, you're not even open. I don't know at the times that people have come to me before. And said, Brother Keith, I just want to, you know, 
I'm available. I'm open. And I didn't have anything. But when they made that move, God gave me something. Direction. Why? Because they weren't just doing that with me. They're doing that with him. Their heart was like, I'm coming to you. How many believe that every morning we ought to present ourselves before the Lord? And we say, Lord, here we are. I've come to you. I'm available. Here I am. Just because you signed up on a service team one time and didn't get called doesn't mean you just sit back and wait. You keep showing up. You keep coming and say, hey, here I am. What do you need? I'm ready. I'm available. Which means what? Present. Ready. For immediate use. I don't have to get ready. I'm ready. When can you go? Now? That's the people that get used. That's the people that advance. And so we asked him, we said, uh, can we help you another way? And Phyllis said, I noticed that you're uh, doing a lot of ironing. Can I iron for you? Because you understand, we've already got our own ministry. We're busy. We've got invitations we can't even get to. And But what does that matter? It matters what God says. And she said, would you let me iron? And she said, yeah. So she ironed, you know, half a day at a time. I said, what can I do? I'll drive you. Can you use our help? We're here. And they said, well, yeah. And so for the next many years, every time they went, we went. And I drove and we sang and we pulled the car around for them to come to the, you know, get through the eating and to the hotel and pack and unpack. And if they want me to sing, I sing. Want me to preach, I preach and help. And some of the richest times of our life. Didn't realize it then, but God was honoring us to allow us to sow seed for such a future. Oh, are you listening now? Because if you don't sow seed, you're not going to have harvest. But the reason I said all that, do you see the links, the initiating points come to them? We came to them and said, here we are. And they'd call sometimes. We'd get in out off the road and we're busy. We got stuff piled up on our desk to here. And they say, can you do this? We didn't even look at it. We thought, yeah. Bye. Close the door. <laughs> Go. You got to have priorities. Right? And if you do, everything else works. And so God has blessed and increased and blessed and increased and blessed and increased. Who comes to whom? Who waits On whom submit yourself to him. Come near to him and he responds and draws near to you. And when he does, you know that he did. Stand on your feet, please. Thank you, Lord. Lift up your hands, lift up your hearts, out of your heart, say it out loud, Lord, here am I, use me, Lord, here am I, send me, I don't expect you to come to me, I come to you, I don't expect you to wait on me. I wait on you. You're my Lord. You're my Savior. 
I repent for making you wait. I repent for thinking others should come to me. I submit myself. I humble myself to you. Oh, thank you, Lord. Let's lift up our hands and worship the Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.